0: This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio.
1: Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, 89.3 in Morris joliet And now in the Rockford area, 88.9 FM, and the Rockford area covers some of uh, Marengo, Harvard, and Belvedere, and that area right in there. So we are growing and going further north, thanks to you. We're covering much of central Illinois and also northern Illinois. Again, thanks to you. Uh, We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember, again, we are brought to you by you and your donations count for very much. So any donations that you can make, large or small, are always welcome. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. <laughs> Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. And that will tell you a lot more about us and how to make a donation. If you'd like to call us, of course, you can do that too. And that's our, our number is 309 807 Again, that's 309-807-2427. And we're going to talk today about the synod on synodality and uh, explore that a little bit. Uh, There's a lot of confusion and maybe misunderstanding and uh, just wonder about what's going on with the synodality, what a synod is and so forth. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, As I said, I'm here with my wife, Lynn, so before I start, I'll ask my wife if there's anything she'd like to say before we get started.
2: Certainly do. Welcome to all the new listeners in the Rockford area, and very soon the power will be boosted for you, so hang in there. And we're very welcome to our Catholic Spirit Radio family. If you're confused about the synod that's starting, don't feel alone. (laughs) jump aboard with the rest of us we're all very confused you know the synod is supposed to be for bishops but now it's been open to everyone well even uh priests deacons and the secular people can't have a vote i don't know how that's going to work but we've got a lot to talk about here today with the synod don't we bob
1: yes we do uh as my wife said, uh, there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of indifference to the Synod. There's a lot of people out there that probably are not paying much attention to it at all, and maybe some that don't even know that there is, is a Synod. There are people who don't know what a Synod is. Uh There are other people who are confused about it, and as my wife said, if if there's some confusion about it, don't feel like the Lone Ranger. Uh, and there are a lot of people also that are very concerned about this Synod for various reasons, and uh, so we're going to talk about some of those things, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the concern. Uh, There's an article in the Post uh, regarding the Synod, in a Catholic post, and it gives uh, sort of a straightforward uh, rundown of what the Synod is and uh, some of the things that... uh, Will be done at the synod, and it it uh, touches on concern, people's concern about the synod, but only in a sentence or two near the end of the article, and it mentions that there is one cardinal, you know, who seems to be very concerned, and that's about all it says. And so there, there, I think that uh, this needs to be addressed a little bit more fully than that, and that's what we're going to do here on this show. We're going to talk about uh, some of the concerns over this synod and uh, what what you know the synods are for. And uh, to start, uh, there was uh, an interview by uh, Teresa Tomio with uh, Father Mitch Pacwa here last week. I think it was maybe Thursday. I'm not sure the day. Uh, I I think maybe it was Thursday. But at any rate, uh, Father Pacwa talked a little bit about the Synod and uh, what a Synod is. And uh, he voiced uh, a little bit more concern about the Senate and some of the things that uh, he was somewhat worried about. And we're going to go into that, and then from there we will touch on some of the, the topics that uh, Father uh, Pacwa was uh, concerned about, with some other articles as well. So we'll we'll start out there. Is there anything further that you want to say then before we? No, get let's to that?
2: roll on because okay. this is
1: yeah. So if,
2: if you could provide any clarity it would be a real benefit to all of us.
1: Okay. Well, th- let's talk about the definition of a synod in the first place uh, in the church. A synod is a meeting of bishops, you know, for discussion of church-related topics. And then in a synod, the bishops vote. And uh, there were synods in the early years of the church, I think, as back as far as the 4th century. Uh, oh, there, even
2: earlier.
1: Or maybe earlier. but yeah, You
2: go back to yeah. some church historians consider the um, consul in Jerusalem the very first one in Jerusalem to be a synod
1: okay because
2: all the bishops were there
1: okay but uh, and then there were some of the other synods were centered around discussing the canon of the Bible and some of those uh, were uh, in the fourth century I think finally before the canon was finally. Pretty much settled, it was around 392 AD, so that would be near the end of the 4th century, almost the beginning of the 5th century, and uh, synods were used for those purposes. And uh, according to Father Mitch, a a synod is to be something that discusses how to apply uh, dogma and doctrine, and it is not something where people vote on dogma or doctrine. Uh, in that in sense, and if, if certainly at least not voting on changing. And in the, in the Catholic Church, Jesus Christ handed on his teachings to his apostles to his church, and uh, commanded them to go out into the world and teach everything uh, that he taught them. And so we have a a uh, body of the faith uh, that is handed on from uh, earliest times all the way down till now. And the dogmas and doctrines that develop from that body of faith cannot be changed. They can be understood better. They can be expanded. We can apply them uh, in different ways to the world and so forth. So they can grow in the sense, of course, that uh, a puppy can grow into a dog, but a puppy does not grow into a cat. And so the, the, the they do not change. And there is a lot of concern here about voting on doctrine. Uh, and Father Mitch warns about that, uh, and it is one of his concerns. He points out that uh, voting on doctrine has done a lot of destruction in the uh, Protestant churches, but especially lately in the Lutheran church. There has been, and if we have time, I'll get into that a little bit more, uh, is the, the voting on doctrine. And then this idea of inclusiveness has been very, very divisive in the Protestant churches and in the evangelical churches and also in the Lutheran church itself, this idea. And so we we read here, and I'll go to the article in uh, the Catholic Register. It talks about this idea of uh, an inclusive consensus, and I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I think a lot of people are concerned about that. And uh, we will do some reading also. Uh, from the uh, Remnant newspaper, and they have an interview in there with Cardinal Muller, who's very concerned about this uh, synod. So, you know, we'll, we'll go over that as well. So, uh, and the, uh, the idea of a synod, of course, is old, but as my wife pointed out, as Lynn pointed out, the modern synod here is including uh, not just the bishops. In, in, in all earlier synods, the uh, bishops, were the only ones voting in the a, in a Senate. Other people could be present, and you could have laity and so forth present to put their input in because, the, you know, the church was exploring various problems of the day and so forth in uh, the years uh, you passed and, you know, on down till now. And uh, when they did that, of course, there would be people there that would be talking about issues and so forth so that the bishops could get a good, a good idea of all different points of view, but it was the bishops alone that would vote on things, and mostly the voting would be on how to apply the doctrine that was handed down by the church. And I think one of the key things that we have to remember with this idea of everybody voting, I mean, that may sound good, Uh, to a lot of uh, people, modern people, with this idea of democracy and so forth. And everybody should get not only be heard, but should get a vote and have a say so. But we should seriously remember that the Catholic Church is not a democracy. The Catholic Church is a hierarchy. And Jesus Christ was not the president of some democratic organization. Jesus Christ is a king. And his he established a hierarchical church, and he gave a body of faith to that church, and a number of doctrines and and the dogmas, and that was to be handed down uh, untouched. And I think Lynn, there's an article. I mean, in, in, was it in Galatians? Uh, you have yes. that there. That you yes, might want to yeah, you might want to point that out. Uh, what Paul warned Timothy about, I believe.
2: Yes. Uh, in the letter of Paul to the Galatians in the first chapter and verses 6 through 2 through 8, and it says, Not that there is another gospel. Oh, anyone turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, let him be accursed.
1: Uh, exactly. He was warning about changing dogma and doctrine from that very earliest time. And I think he also, you know, in in Timothy, he when he was teaching Timothy, he pointed that out to Timothy, that, uh, you know, when... When you're in doubt about something, remember who you have learned it from and who handed it on to you and what you were told. And uh, no matter what somebody else says, if it doesn't correspond to what you've been taught, then don't listen to it. And so and there's a number of warnings in, in Scripture in different places about the danger of – uh People, that, a different right,
2: doctrine, people yeah. that
1: might come along pushing a different doctrine. And, and that happened a lot. We have to remember as the Bible, the Scripture, was being uh, uh, canonized back at that time as they were trying to determine what was uh, uh, inspired and what was not inspired, uh, there were a lot of people – uh, that were false prophets and so forth, trying to use the new religion of Christianity to advance their own causes. And they would push all kinds of things that and you know, ideas and so forth that would be contrary to what Christ taught. And the church had to very carefully sort that out and be very careful in handing on exactly what they were commanded to hang on and excluding everything else. And that's, in effect, how we got the Bible. Uh, you know, we won't go into that any further, but uh, there will be a course here coming up on the Bible that— uh, uh, you might be interested in. And, and a lot of those things will be talked about.
2: I yes, yeah, Paul told warned that uh, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is not strange if his servants, his other demons and so the devils, also disguise themselves as servants of the righteous. Their end will be will correspond to their deeds. And he's saying be very cautious.
1: And then uh, synods were suspended for quite some time. By, according to uh, Father Pacwa, he pointed out that uh, you had the Protestant Reformation, and uh, the Protestant Reformation caused the Council of Trent to come into existence and to refute and to deal with the the so the Protestant. You know, And I always call it the so-called Reformation because actually the Catholic Church had its own Reformation because the church, of course, always needs reforming. And that's what we're talking about even today in this Senate here. There's reforms that need to be made. Any, any big organization always does. But uh, the Council of Trent was established for that purpose. And the Protestant Reformation actually became a, not a reformation but a revolution and a leaving of the church. And so uh, I always say the you know, so-called Reformation, and some people disagree with that, but I think it's, it's accurate. Uh, the fact is is that uh, the Protestantism didn't reform the church so much as leave the church. And the, the, the church itself reformed. Uh, the, the reform went on within the Catholic church itself through the Council of Trent. And then uh, in 1965, uh, Paul VI uh, reestablished you know, uh, ongoing synods again. And uh, sinners were designed, again, on uh, how best to apply our Catholic doctrine in the modern world and how best to address the problems of the modern world. And, of course, we have a lot of problems with the uh, woke establishment. We have the problems of transgender. We have the problems of same-sex marriage. We have the problems of LGBTQ. And uh, all of these kinds of problems affect the Catholic Church. And how best we should we deal with this? But the thing is, is again, we should always remember that uh, – the church is not out and shouldn't be out to change. We don't vote on changing doctrine. We don't vote on making doctrine something in dogma. Once dogma is settled within the Catholic Church, that's it. Uh, The deposit of faith that's been handed on, again, can grow in the sense of being understood better and applied differently and applied in uh, ways that maybe are more uh, amenable to modern people, but it cannot be changed, and so that's the big concern that's going on here. Uh, so yeah,
2: there seemed to be some, a push, especially by some uh, German factions in the church, to change the doctrine.
1: Well, the thing is, is also Lin, Father Pacwa talked about that. He said that one of the things in the German church is we have to understand is that in Germany the state. Uh, actually, uh, funds churches, right? And so the Catholic Church, being one of the biggest, you know, church organizations in Germany, gets a lot of funding from the government. I think Father Pacwa said actually it's the second largest industry in Germany. If I, you wow. know, it's, it sounds like to me, but I, I, I took took that down here in my notes, and I'm sure I heard it correctly, but uh, it hires an awful lot of people. And many of those people working for the church, you know, with government funds going into the church, are not Catholics. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, they feel that they have a right to have a say-so because it's their money being spent. And it's their interest in working and so forth. And uh, they can come from all different walks of life and have all different kinds of political points of view. And uh, they think that the church should express those points of view. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure in Germany— to make changes in the church that are against the dogmas of the church. And uh, there's a lot of uh, intent uh, on some of the bishops and so forth in Germany to try and fudge what those dogmas mean in order to get them changed to police, some of the people that are putting so much pressure on him. And Father Pacwa said that's a danger that that we do get from Germany and we have to watch out for. So we're going to have to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio.
3: Catholic Spirit Radio is hosting their next outdoor rosary event, and you're invited. On Saturday, October 7th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, in conjunction with Rosary Coast to Coast, and along with a multitude of other people across the United States, we will pray the glorious mysteries. Bring your lawn chair, sweater, and rosary. Light refreshments and fellowship begin at 2... Meet in our north parking lot, Boykin's Place in Normal, October 7th, Outdoor Rosary at Catholic Spirit Radio.
4: There's a new app, so Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app, Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the second coming, the Bible and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062.
1: Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking about the upcoming synod uh, that will be coming up here in October, and uh, a lot of the concern and confusion and sometimes even indifference about the synod. And uh, we were talking about uh, the, the church in Germany being funded by the government and how there's a lot of pressure on the bishops in Germany to make changes in the church that are not really compatible with Catholic doctrine or dogma. And so, you know, this is one of the things that Father Pacwa was talking about. And so one of the concerns, as my wife was mentioning here during our break, is that uh, there are people, you know, lay people, priests, deacons, and so forth, being allowed to vote in this synod. And this is an entirely new synodal process that didn't exist before. Uh, all earlier synods were strictly where only the bishops, you know, the magisterium, the bishops and the pope, uh, were allowed to
2: uh, have a vote.
1: Have a vote, and uh, they could exercise the you know the doctrine of infallibility. When all the bishops and pope uh, were in agreement with each other on a particular thing, then they could be sure that the deposit of faith was being handed on intact without being changed. But uh, there are people concerned by allowing all of these others in with the vote, is this going to somehow or another cause uh, a change in doctrine and a dogma that can't be changed? Or is this going to be cause arguments and so forth? Uh, you know, they could cause trouble within a church itself uh, trying to resolve these problems uh, when the Popes and and bishops will not be able to do this on their own. There will be other votes there to counteract their votes. Could it lead to uh, situations that are simply break down and they're not resolvable? There's a lot of concern about this. And uh, Father Pacwa pointed out that uh, uh, Protestants use synods to vote on changes in doctrine. They actually vote on things such as divorce and uh, abortion and uh, same-sex marriage and so forth whether these things should be approved or not approved by the church. Catholics can't do that. I mean, we have to apply our doctrine that's been given to us. And uh, that doctrine a lot of times excludes these things. Marriage is a certain type of thing under Catholicism. It can't recognize, uh, according to the doctrines that have been handed down, same-sex marriage and other things. And people are concerned that this is what is going to happen instead of expanding doctrines in the sense that they can be understood better and be applied in different ways without there being changed. There may be an attempt to, in effect, apply doctrines in such a way that there will actually be a change in the doctrine. And so this is a very concerning, and this has done much devastation to the Protestant churches, much devastation to evangelicalism and, uh, especially to lutheranism where in this idea of inclusiveness especially uh, inclusive uh uh consensus came to mean that unless you agreed with the so-called consensus to, uh, of uh, a strong group in the church about inclusiveness that somehow then you were not inclusive And so therefore, if you didn't change and become inclusive along the lines uh, of the dominant uh, people in that church, you should get out. And it caused a big split. Instead of this idea of walking together, uh, it caused a split in the church. And so I'm going to read from uh, the register here an article called Conversing in the Spirit. Uh, the synod on synodality methodology seeks to sidestep conflict. But in seeking to sidestep conflict, the supposed of the idea of an inclusive consensus, uh, can that actually cause more division uh, rather than actually sidestepping any conflict because it certainly has in the Protestant church. And uh, so let's go ahead and, and take a look at some of the things that they say and look at Catholic uh Doctrine and the Catholic mission and see how it applies there. It says, uh, and the the, the synodality is aimed at reaching an inclusive consensus that welcomes dissenting views and helps to avoid polarization by embracing a concept termed conversation in the spirit. Well, that all sounds good. Um, The methodology for the entire synod has been prepared by a multinational 10-member commission Uh, for methodology, coordinated by French Xavier missionary sister, Natalie Beckart, undersecretary at the Synod's general secretariat. And it goes on. It says, uh, the method of conversation in the spirit, a concept that has become central to the entire synodal process. Conversation in the spirit, Father Costa explained, is a shared prayer with a view to discernment in common for which participants prepare themselves through personal reflection and meditation. It works by each member offering each other the gift of a thoughtful word nourished by prayer, not an opinion improvised on the spot. All that sounds rather good, but it's sort of vague. I mean, exactly what does it mean? Uh, It goes on, it says, for the concept to be fruitful, Father Casa said, participants must take part in it with conviction, sharing experiences, charisms, and ministries in the service of the gospel. It won't work, he cautioned, if different voices are not articulated and the fruits of the encounter are not grasped in a missionary action that points to action. But what does that mean? Points to what kind of action? But if carried out effectively, he said, it would help identify the concrete steps that the Holy Spirit is inviting the church to take in order to grow in commission, in communion, mission, and participation. There's no definition of what communion, mission, and participation is here. And, uh, what kind of steps are to be taken and what kind of action is to be taken. All of this, you know, it sounds very vague. And it goes on, alternative to polarization. Conversation in the spirit is aimed at deterring polemical debate on controversial subjects. Well, there needs to be debate on controversial subjects. A lot of these subjects are controversial, and I don't see, you know, this idea of what do they mean by polemical debate? If people people disagree with each other, is that, is that polemical? As Father Costa put it, the method opens up spaces in which to address even controversial issues together. These issues, which he said are debated in society and in the church, can often lead to clashes in person or on social media rather than consider discussion. Well, if this whole thing is supposed to be a discussion rather than an argument or a debate, fine, but that's what a synod is, a discussion, and a discussion already incorporates the idea that people put out different ideas, and uh, during the discussion, there isn't any expectation of a resolution. People are just discussing the various ways that they could possibly be resolved and so forth. So if it's an ordinary discussion, fine, but this is going on as if somehow this is a brand new process, something different than an ordinary discussion. And frankly, Lynn, I'm a little bit confused about it. Are you?
2: Oh, yes. I can't figure out heads or tails about it. And It almost seems to me that, I really hate to acknowledge it, but I feel like we're being set up to accept something that's already been predetermined. That's how I feel. This seems to me like a group of people getting together and they're having a, oh, you know, they're breaking into small groups and then whatever comes of that. Tell me, any meeting that you've ever gone to in your life has it? Ever come to a consensus about anything? Well, I haven't experienced that.
1: And what does an inclusive? Yeah, what does an inclusive sense? It doesn't mean everybody somehow has to be inclusive. Inclusive of what? It goes on here. It says, uh, <clears throat> Father Costa then explained further how conversation in the spirit has three basic steps for uh, different situations. The first involves a person prayerfully speaking about their experience. The second aims at building bonds by expressing what touched them most deeply. And when, uh, having cultivated familiarity with the Lord, they felt the Holy Spirit made their voices resound. And the third step, again, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is about letting key points emerge from conversing with the Spirit that then leads to action. But action, what action, action action what? And then this talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, The fact is, is that if you are talking about all kinds of different people here, you're talking about lay people, you're talking about people who may not even be Catholic, and uh, you're talking about walking together. uh, Does this mean, how, how do you walk together and arrive, the Holy Spirit arrive at some kind of inclusive consensus with people who are carrying ideas that are simply not compatible? I mean, how do we have a Holy Spirit consensus with people who say that there is such a thing as same-sex marriage or people who believe in transgender or people who believe in uh, uh, that homosexuality is, is a perfectly okay lifestyle and so forth? And other people in the same group, Catholics, of course, who don't. Uh, and then the other thing that it, there's this constant emphasis on unifying the world, unifying yeah, that to me is. In, in walking together, seeking unity in the world. Well, the whole mission of the church certainly isn't to seek unity in the world. It would be nice if we had a unified world, but we don't, and it's unlikely that there's anybody in the church or through the Holy Spirit or anything else it is going to accomplish that. If that is going to be accomplished, it won't be accomplished by a synod or some kind of a meeting or people sitting around in workshops discussing things. Uh, the, the fact is is that's not even the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to bring people into the church, you know, to convert people into the church that makes it possible for them to get into heaven. It's to save souls. That's the mission of the church. And Christ himself was not very inclusive, uh, you know, if, uh, when he talked about uh, the idea of uh, the Eucharist, and a lot of people left, uh, and uh, it was very, very divisive. And he certainly didn't try to bring them back in in some kind of an inclusive consensus. There wasn't any consensus at all. In fact, he even asked his own disciples. He said, do you want to leave too? And they said, well, where would we go? And he did not back down on his teaching. No, he
2: didn't give an inch.
1: Right, he didn't give an inch on it.
2: And I must confess something. You know, synod and consul are used interchangeably. We went through and we remember the Second Vatican Consul and the things that came out of that, many of which were not decided by the Consul to be that way, but it just sprung up from whatever during the Consul. For instance, uh, doing away with Latin and so forth, that was never decided by the Consul, but it came about anyway. This is what, I guess I'm scared because of what the, the Vatican consul did that had uh, no basis for these changes. And I'm afraid what this one will do, this council.
1: And uh, another thing that we have to remember also, uh, I want to mention, uh, Lynn and I watched uh, The World Over Live. I don't know if people watched that uh, uh on, on television, on
2: uh, EWTN e,
1: EWTN TV, exactly, and then we watched uh, Raymond Arroyo and others uh, on The World Over Live uh, concerning the Synod. And one of the concerns, you know, they were concerned about the same thing that we're talking about here and uh, that we're concerned with. But one of the things that uh, uh, Raymond Arroyo brought up was he was talking about, he said, it could be that if the synod follows everything that it says here, and if that's all it is, is a a discussion and uh, you know, being honest about uh, opinions and so forth in our doctrines and so forth in the church and trying to find a better way to address these things in the modern world and so forth, and nothing changes. He said, the point is, is that, The process of the synod, the synodal, the synodal process has been changed itself. It has incorporated lay people voting. It has incorporated deacons and uh, other religious and so forth voting other than the bishops. That's outside of the teaching on infallibility. And it's this method itself that could be the real problem in the future. And that this synod will actually normalize that uh, new method of uh, synodality, and so that could be a problem as well that people don't even think of. And the question that arises, you know, and it has to is, is, is this being put in here uh, for that purpose alone, simply to normalize and get people used to the idea that a synod is no longer uh, among the bishops? and the Pope no longer among the magisterium of the church with the infallibility that they have, with the uh, uh, power and authority that they have been given by Jesus Christ, and now it is being spread out. And so in the future, there will be people in that, in these synods that are diverse and uh, are not necessarily concerned with handing on the dogmas of the church as they have been handed down for 2,000 years, and these people will actually be voting and doing things and is that somehow an intention of this synod? So there's a lot of concern here in asking these questions. And uh, so, you know, I don't know exactly what the answers are, but uh, you can see the concern. Is there anything further you want to say on that subject, Lynn?
2: Oh, my. I, I'm just terribly frustrated because I don't quite understand what the whole point. What, you know, why are we doing this? Having this synod in the first place, this really, there's been no specific thing brought out other than the German bishops want a change in women, have women ordained. They want same sex marriage was blessed. Uh, What's the other one? Things like that, you know, getting something done by consensus isn't normally a safe way to do things, I don't think.
1: Well, here's what it says here in this article, you know, on the Synod and the Catholic Register. It says, the goal. The goal is to identify concrete steps that the Holy Spirit is calling us to take in order to grow as a synodal church— and to develop proposals at different levels from the local to the universal. That sounds, you know, again, that leaves you with an awful lot of questions. That sounds very, very broad. You could drive, a, you know, a couple of tanks and a number of semi-trucks through something that wide. And he goes on. It says, uh, uh, the fruits of the assembly will be gathered and formulated into a text, and voting will make it possible to capture the consensus among participants voted on. You know, uh, will make it possible to capture the consensus among participants. But what consensus, you know, are they talking about? What consensus might there be? But this is not a conclusion, he cautioned, as there will also be the final Synod Assembly in October 2024. Well, of course it won't be a conclusion, but what will it lead to? And again, it's establishing a synod, synodal process and it's establishing the legitimacy of votes that are outside the magisterium of the church, that are outside the infallibility of the church, what can that lead to?
2: Disaster.
1: Collectively, the goal of both sessions is to present the Holy Father a concrete proposal for growing as a synodal church. Well, you know, that's very, very vague. And uh, for this purpose, he added, it is important to keep to identify what obstacles hinder the path, and to deepen the issues on which sufficient consensus has not yet matured. Well, sufficient consensus has not yet matured. Does that mean that if <laughs> that there is some kind of a? Uh, Well, at any rate, we're going to have to stop here and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio.
3: Catholic Spirit Radio is hosting their next outdoor rosary event, and you're invited. On Saturday, October 7th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, in conjunction with Rosary Coast to Coast, and along with a multitude of other people across the United States, we will pray the glorious mysteries. Bring your lawn chair, sweater, and rosary. Light refreshments and fellowship begin at 2... Meet in our North parking lot, Boykin's Place in Normal, October 7th, Outdoor Rosary at Catholic Spirit Radio.
4: There's a new app, so Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app, Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free, new app, same quality programs. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10 lesson video study features. Scott Han and begins Thursday, October twelfth at six thirty p.m. The material fee is twenty-five dollars. Register by September thirtieth. For in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062.
0: A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com.
1: Got an old vehicle taking up space in your garage or rusting outside? Catholic Spirit Radio would love to have it. Turn your worn-out vehicle into a donation. Simply call 860 866- Six six two eight 628 cars or go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We're talking about the Synod and we've been talking about some of the concerns that people have and some of the Cardinals have about the Synod. And uh, I'm going to read here in the Catholic Post that mentioned that the uh, there is one cardinal who was expressed some very, you know, uh, serious concerns. Uh, the Post didn't really deal with it. It didn't mention who that cardinal was. So I don't know, you know, if they were talking about Cardinal Muller here. But there are some concerns being expressed by Cardinal Muller, and he is uh, one of the German cardinals. And uh, this article is taken from the Remnant newspaper, and uh, it's an interview with him by the Remnant and some questions and answers, and uh, here are some of his concerns, so I'll lay those out there, and then uh, there's another article, if I get time, uh, in Chronicles magazine uh, on the state of Catholicism that has some ex- uh, expresses some things about the Synod as well. So, I mean, I don't want to be a wet blanket here, and neither does my wife. Uh, we're hoping that, this, that the Synod turns out uh, well. But nevertheless, you know, there—it's been—it's very vague. All of these things they're talking about, and this whole idea of uh, this uh, walking together in unity, the world walking together in unity, uh, is—if that is one of the inclusive consensus that we're supposed to reach—I don't think that can possibly be reached because there are people that are going to be walking together that have incompatible ideas about things. Certainly, you can discuss in a civilized manner, what your various concerns about these things are. But to come to some definite conclusion uh, that everybody can agree on is something that I would guess is beyond the reach uh, of the people and beyond the reach also of the Holy Spirit, as Catholics would understand it. Uh, It goes on here. It says, here's the question by the, the, the remnant question. There are some voices that have criticized the presence of the laity in the synod Assembly. What do you think? And they're asking Cardinal Muller. And here's Cardinal Muller's answer. He says, the bishops participate in their office by exercising collegial responsibility for the whole church together with the Pope. If the laity participates in it with a right to vote, then it is no longer a synod of bishops or an ecclesiastical conference and does not have the apostolic teaching authority of the Episcopal College. To speak of a Vatican Consul III can only occur to an ignorant person because from the outset, a Roman synod of bishops is not an ecumenical consul, which the Pope could not subsequently declare without ignoring the divine right of the bishops to a Vatican Council 3 that could found a new church surpassing or completing the one supposedly stagnated at Vatican Council 2. So what he's saying here is, is that it's possible that the Synod could turn into more of a, a uh, Vatican Council, and it would be a Vatican Council 3. And that can't be done without a voting of the bishops and the bishops alone on whether there should be one. And uh, he also incorporates the idea that, that there are people that may be pushing for this because with Vatican II, it seems as if a lot of expected changes and so forth with Vatican II didn't happen. And so that's considered a stagnation, and there are people pushing in the church to end that stagnation by getting some of the changes that Vatican II was supposed to bring about. But if that's the case, you're talking, in effect, about a Vatican Council III, and this synod is certainly not supposed to be a Vatican Council III. So that's one of this. I hope I'm making that clear. Did I make that pretty clear, Lynn? I think so. Okay. So it says, a uh, question here, it says, Are there more and more bishops uh, and faithful expressing concern about what might happen during the synod? Is there something to be afraid of? And so they're asking Cardinal Muller that. He says, yes, the false prophets, nebulous ideologues, who present themselves as progressive, have announced that they will turn the Catholic Church into an aid organization for the 2030 agenda. In their opinion, only a church without Christ fits into a world without God. Pretty strong words. Yeah. Pretty powerful. But he goes on. Many young people returned from Lisbon disappointed that the focus was no longer on salvation in Christ, but on a doctrine of worldly salvation. Apparently, there are even bishops who no longer believe in God as the origin and end of man and the Savior of the world, but who, in a pan-naturalistic or pantheistic way, Consider the so-called Mother Earth, the beginning of existence, and climate neutrality, the goal of planet Earth. So again, this is a pretty, pretty uh, strong statement. But uh, there are are things here to be concerned about. And Father Pacwa pointed out the uh, the destruction in the uh, Lutheran Church, especially that is caused by voting on and changing, uh, doctrine and how much it, it, caused people to leave the, you know, various Lutheran, uh, assemblies and to form even further assemblies and, uh, the, the, the splits that this can cause. And this could cause this also, you know, in the Catholic church as well. In fact, in the Lutheran church, uh, the ECLA, according to an article that I've read here, there are even some, uh, people involved, some pastors, who are are charging that Christ sinned on the cross uh, when he said, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me that this was sinful speech? I mean, you know, if this isn't blasphemy, I don't know what is. And uh, this has caused huge ripples in the Lutheran church and changes. And in Protestantism, all of these kinds of things, especially among evangelicals, causes a constant reshuffling of churches and the starting of new denominations and splitting of old denominations and uh, getting people uh, divided against themselves. And this whole idea, uh, there's an article, I can't get into it here. I'm not going to have the time probably, but but in the Protestant church about inclusiveness causing tremendous amounts of division.
2: You Uh, got it. You see that in the Methodist, in the Presbyterian, and... uh, Oh, many of the other uh, Protestant groups, they're splitting off from each other. There's schisms, if you want to use that word. And this is what I'm afraid is going to happen here.
1: And then when Bishop uh, uh, Burke here, I mean, not Burke, but uh, Mueller—is Cardinal Muller is also warning uh, about the idea of new revelations. I mean, you know, the Catholic Church teaches that, uh, there will be no new public revelation. That the, the public revelation died, you know, was mm-hmm. finished with the death. I shouldn't say died, but was finished with the death of the last apostle. And so there will be no more new public revelation. And yet we're talking here about a synod that is a public body incorporating all kinds of people that are not bishops and that, uh, you know, in voting on things, uh, it, it, will there be some, you know, outside of some, you know, is this the, the Holy Spirit revealing things to people? Is this some kind of new revelation? So that's another thing that uh, he's concerned about. And, of course, there can't be. I mean, there can be private revelation. People can have private revelations. But the church doesn't put its uh, stamp of approval. And it, it it evaluates a private revelation. And it will say whether it, it's found any you know, fraud or anything there, and whether the private revelation contradicts anything in scripture or tradition. And if it doesn't, then they can't find any fraud. They will say it's okay for people to believe it if they wish. But of course, no one ever has to believe any private revelation. You will know, not Fatima or anything else if you don't want to. And so, you know, there is no such thing as new public revelation, and private revelation is just that. If people have the Holy Spirit, give them private revelations at a synod or anywhere else, fine. If those revelations are compatible with the church, it's okay. But it doesn't mean that they can be ever become dogma. So uh,
2: That's true. And it, it, we're just going to have to be on guard and really pray hard for the Holy Spirit to come. But uh, I don't know. Uh, It seems to me we're going in the direction of one world religion, this idea of bringing all peoples together and this worship of the environment that we're caught in today. But nobody thinks about what the repercussions of all this is.
1: Here's what uh, Cardinal Muller says about that very thing you just brought up. I'm glad you just brought that up because he, I was just getting to what he says about that, about this uh, idea of human unity. He goes, he says, There is an attribution of a new mission to the Holy See to bring about human un- un- human unity, which does not uh, correspond to anything ever taught before in the Catholic Church. Uh But this does not mean unity in service of the salvation of souls, a unity that is therefore attained through conversion to Catholicism. Rather, this unity seems to result merely from the intimate union with God of the entire human race as such, but the church's mission is the one that our Lord gave her, going therefore Teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of, the, you know, into the church. Thus, the church's intimate mission is to convert the greatest possible number of souls to Christ before the parousia, You know that is before the second coming, without caring about bringing about the unity of the human race, a chimeric ideal, and one that is intrinsically anti-Christian because it is a form of the divinization of man exalting him and gazing upon him, an ideal imported from the Illuminous philosophy and possibly professed by Freemasonry. And this whole idea of the unity of man, the the idea that somehow or another people uh, of actually contradicting beliefs and ideas can be somehow or another unified under the doctrines of the in dogmas of the Catholic Church, this is simply not possible. I mean, there's going to have to be changes. I mean, this is what the Church asks people to do: to repent, to change, to convert. And he goes on. He said, "We would expect today's innovators to use Lumen Gentium to suggest that the Church's mission is not to convert souls to Catholicism, but rather to bring about the unity of the human race. And indeed, this is what we see." In the Instrumentum Laboris, this is, he's talking here, this is what we see, you know, in the the intention of the Synod, is that using uh, Lumen Gentium to suggest a mission that is really not a mission that the church is engaged in, and is not a legitimate mission of the church. He goes on, he says, the Synod tells us that the church's mission is not to convert souls, to Catholicism, but to construct a community in which relationships are a manifestation of God's love. Uh, He says, uh, and he goes on, it says, it is blasphemous to suggest uh, that our Lord offers a path of consensus to move towards unity. After all, he made it abundantly clear that most souls will reject his hard teachings and go to hell. That's pretty blunt and pretty hard, but he did. Uh, And he told his own disciples when they were about to leave, when everybody left, when he talked about the Eucharist and he talked about the conversion, uh, the people said this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And started to leave. He asked his own disciples if they wanted to leave. He wasn't going to stop them. And uh, he said, here's what uh, was said. Enter ye in at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there are who go in there at. How narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leads to life, and few there are that find it. And that's taken from Matthew seven thirteen, Matthew 7, 13 to 14. So pretty, pretty rough stuff that Cardinal Muller is saying here, but right. nevertheless. It's it,
2: very interesting, too, that... Those that have been invited to this synod on the whole are people that agree with what Pope, the Pope Francis is teaching or what he's thinking about. So isn't there a consensus there already? I think that's a question that needs to be answered. Father Mueller is, or Bishop Mueller is... He is invited But he's one Maybe one of He may be the only one that I can think of I don't know the whole list But he's one that uh, does not agree But it seems to me he's The only people that have been invited the, The majority of them Believe the same thing in the same way that this bringing together of all humanity is what uh, Francis is teaching. They are the ones who would have been invited.
1: And again, this is what Cardinal Muller says. Uh, He says, as we know, though, most Christians reject at least some fundamental, you know, we're talking here about inviting Christians to this synod. You know, if people are baptized into Christianity and Catholic Church recognizes, of course, legitimate baptism of other uh, churches, of the Protestant churches, they are considered Christians. But nevertheless, Miller says, as we know, though, most Christians reject at least some fundamental truths of the Catholic faith. What do all Christians believe about divorce? Well, we know that there are a lot of Protestants that believe that the divorce is, is okay. They vote on it. The Catholic Church can't vote on that. The Catholic Church uh, considers uh, that what has God joined together, it can't be put asunder. And uh, it goes on, it says here, LGBTQ matters. I mean, what does the church say about that? How can we agree with with these kind of matters? How How can we approve in any way of that or give that our blessing? Women's ordination. According to the synod, whatever consensus they arrive at will be guided by the Holy Spirit. As we can see from the International Theological Commission's 2018 study on synodality cited above, uh, you know, how can that be? How can the Holy Spirit uh, somehow or another guide all of these absolutely conflicting and con- you know uh, to- totally conflicting ideas, totally conflicting contradictory it, ideas
2: together? The doctrine together. of the church,
1: right? So it could be, of course, that the the, the the synod doesn't do any of these things, that it doesn't vote on uh, any, it doesn't advocate and make any changes in our doctrine, and that's good if it doesn't. And so, you know, we hope that uh, those things don't happen. And uh, as uh, uh, Raymond Arroyo pointed out, that still uh, isn't necessarily mean that if that happens, people can let out a sigh of relief and say the thing's over and uh, everything's been preserved because the synodal process itself is being changed here. And that could have bad consequences for the future. So those are some of the things we have to watch for and uh, some of the things that we have to pray uh, do not become problems for the church and we'll just have to see what's going to happen from there.
2: Trust in God.
1: So we're going to have to stop here and end our pray program. Pray
2: for peace, too, please.
1: St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against, against the wickedness and snares and of the, the devil. devil. May, May God, God rebuke, rebuke him, we humbly pray. pray. And do, do thou, Prince of the, the Heavenly Host, by the, By the power, power of God, God trust in, in the hell, hell Satan, and, and all evil spirits who wander through the, the world, world through for the ruin of the souls. souls. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnson on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email Bob at Catholic Spirit Radio. Again, that's Bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3,
4: and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.